As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 222 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, uh, 222, that is the career batting average of Joey Bart, Max Venable, and Orlando Cabrera with the Giants. Orlando Cabrera's Giants era. Wow. That is not... <laughs> that, you know, the big thing about Orlando Cabrera, I remember this, when they got him, it was in 2011... They did not have to give up Zach Wheeler for him. That was the positive. Uh, that was probably the only positive. But I remember when they got him, he was a guy who had this streak. Every year he made the playoffs. Every year. It was like mm. magic. You had Orlando Cabrera to the roster and say, what does he do? Are you getting him for his defense, for his offense? No, we're getting him because he's a good luck talisman. And he's always in the postseason. So, of course, he's going to be in the postseason with us. And the big move was they sent down Brandon Crawford because he couldn't hit. But he was catching the ball, and they didn't. Uh, they weren't uh, confident enough to stick with him uh, as a rookie. So Orlando Cabrera came up, uh, probably did, did not hit better than Brandon Crawford could have hit, and wasn't very good defensively. And the Giants missed the postseason. So uh, the talisman effect wore off, and Orlando Cabrera's Giants tenure was not happy. I am not going to pretend that I have a. Uh... 1,000 batting average when it comes to my spicy hot takes, especially in my blogging days. Uh, I When the Giants traded for Javier Lopez, I was like, are you nuts? John Bowker's an everyday player, and you traded him for this lefty one-out guy? Okay, so I, I'm not perfect, 
But when they traded for Orlando Cabrera, that's about as confused as I have been with a Brian Sabian move. He was cooked. He was cooked offensively. He was cooked defensively. And I get that maybe if you wanted to upgrade on Brandon Crawford's rookie offense, heck yeah, go for it. That's the Giants needed offense. I get that. You weren't getting it from a 36-year-old Orlando Cabrera. And uh, yeah, so there's that. I, I, I stand by that take. You know what, though? This is the organization that had just watched an an also similarly cooked Edgar Renteria do things like hoist a World Series MVP trophy just a few (laughs) months earlier. So I understand, uh, you know, sort of aged, not very good uh, Colombian uh, uh, middle infielder uh, who who has a great major league track record, but is past his prime. Gee, that can't possibly work out. So I can understand why maybe they thought they had... uh, um, sort of cracked the code and found uh, f- found something they could exploit there in the game. But nope, didn't quite work out in, in the case of Orlando Cabrera. I will say that the lesser known of the Cabrera brothers, Holbert Cabrera, is a delightful human being. And he remembers me from when I covered him with the Dodgers when I was on that beat for the Riverside Press Enterprise. And he, every time I see him, he it's it's like we're old friends, you know? And I, and I think, did we even really talk that often <laughs> but uh, he's he's in Giants camp he's, he's been a coach in their in their system for a while now he's just one of those people who's always up uh, he's a great coach uh, uh, somebody who's a real asset to the organization um, and uh, and yeah it's it's always a pleasure to see Holbert Cabrera and, and one of those people that you wouldn't even know is in the Giants organization uh, but uh, but quietly has been for a number of years now and is a big part of what they're doing on the minor league side. Now, I didn't plan this segue, this transition. Uh, I generally don't plan anything. I mean, I'm sure you've read my articles or listened to my <laughs> podcast, but uh, Orlando Cabrera and Edgar Renteria, well, they're together again, my friend. They are assistant coaches on the Colombian team in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, so we can talk about the World Baseball Classic. The Giants, uh, they defeated the United States yesterday, which makes them the WBC champions. Um, so congratulations to the Giants. There will be a parade down Market Street. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. Uh, World Baseball Classic. Are you in? Yeah, you know, I think the Giants officially won Guam. That was what they won by by beating <laughs> the U.S. in the World Baseball Classic. They had their choice of of, of Guam or some of the outlying uh, American Virgin Islands, and uh, and went with Guam. So can't blame them for that. Oh, I was hoping for uh, one of those uh, Hawaiian islands, like uh, you know, one of the leper ones. <laughs> oh yikes! Well, um, yeah, that that's uh, that, that's called Hansen's disease, and uh, it's no more. It's been eradicated, thankfully. Um, but I, uh, I, I'm just riffing off this. I took that from The Simpsons. That's a yes. that's a Simpsons joke. So it's more of a Simpsons reference than an actual Grant joke. So uh, I, I don't cancel me. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, you know what? It, I, I am in for the World Baseball Classic. It's just it's just fun watching. You know, oh, there's Mike Trout in the batting cage. Oh, and and there's Mookie Betts in the batting cage, and there's Nolan Arenado and and Paul Goldschmidt, and oh, Pete Alonso was going in as a, a replacement in the sixth inning. Oh, that that's nice. You know, he only hits fifty home runs a year. Um, I, I do think that the U.S. you know maybe on the pitching side, even though they've got a bunch of relievers who you've never heard of, and frankly, I watched them on the field. I'm like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And then they go in the game, and it's like. Oh my goodness, Jason Adam is kind of filthy. Um, I've never seen these guys before. I, I couldn't pick them out of a police lineup, and and they're all pretty nasty. And and by the way, Dave Rigetti, their bullpen coach, is uh, uh, it was a pleasure to see him in red, white, and blue again uh, the other day. 
but yeah, it's I, I am in for the World Baseball Classic. I think the 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 U.S. team is is pretty stacked, and um, uh, the Dominican team has has so much pitching and and just a, an all world lineup. And I'm a little bummed that Japan is not uh, going to be playing their regional in Phoenix. They're of course in Tokyo, and then they would go straight to Miami because I want to see Roki Sasaki and I want to see Yamamoto and and uh, and Yanagita and some of these guys. Uh, um, you know, who we could see in the big leagues soon in, in the case of Yamamoto and, and Rogi Sasaki. So I, I think Japan is the team to beat just because they've got some really, really good pitching. All of these rosters are stacked. And that's, you know, I, I, I it's always a process with the WBC. Uh, it's early on. It's, oh, yeah, <clears throat> that's happening. OK, whatever. And then you start getting the, the rosters are being formed. And this guy's in. This guy's out. Logan Webb's in. Logan Webb is withdrawn. Carlos Correa is in. Carlos Correa is withdrawn. And you start going, okay, whatever. And then you see, like, Mookie Betts hitting in front of Mike Trout. And, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I got it now. I got, You see the Dominican lineup. And, and it's one thing to see it on a tweet and in a, a graphic. And then it's another to just watch the Dominican lineup and, and go through it and go, oh, that's hilarious. They're yeah, so stacked. And then, you know, Japan, Japan's got a great team. And, and I'm, I love watching teams like, uh, uh, I love watching the Netherlands. I love getting into Venezuela. I love getting into Panama. Like, I forget how much I geek out on this stuff. And I would Google, I used to cover the, the WBC. I used to like live blog games. I used to attend games and, and go to the interview sessions after. Like, I used to be all in. And I don't remember a single part about it other than I enjoyed it. It's like I have this weird mental fog, and I kind of think that's, for me, one of the attractions. This is something that I don't have to invest, like, all my emotions into it. It's just, like, this really cool mix between All-Star Game and World Series with a lot of the upsides and very few of the downsides. Like, it's just, it's this really neat mix of exhibition and outstanding tournament. Yeah, and to watch a team like come together really fast, like an all-star team, except, uh, you know, it, it's not just a one-off game. And, you know, I'm looking at Puerto Rico's roster and you've got, uh, you know, Kike Hernandez and Javi Baez and Eddie Rosario, uh, Martin Maldonado, MJ Melendez, really exciting young player for the, the Kansas City Royals. And I'm thinking, can you imagine, you know, you... You have Carlos Correa on your team. He says, I'm going to play for you. And then he pulls out. He's not going to play. And you have to go forward and play without Carlos Correa. Uh, and, and that's got to be very, very defeating. But Puerto Rico's got so much talent. They're like, you know what? It, it's okay. It's okay. Not a problem. I, I, I'm not sure if anyone can identify with that sentiment. <laughs> They'll just have to make do. And, oh, it turns out that they're actually better than I thought without Carlos Correa. Yeah, first time that has uh, ever happened. First yeah, time has ever happened. I don't know if that's uh, ever occurred to anybody before. But uh, anyway, I don't know if you want to make another segue, but it's right there for you if you want to. Uh, whew, you got to make it now because I, I, my ADD <laughs> got well, me off track. What do you yeah, got? we've 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 watched uh, we've watched a couple weeks of, of Giants exhibition baseball without Carlos Correa, without Aaron Judge, and and uh, you know this team is coming together, and and it's been. It's been a boring camp. It's been so boring that, um, you know, I, I was away for a week, uh, take a week off in the middle of the spring like I normally do. And and it took me about 60 seconds to catch up with all the news that I missed, which was pretty much nothing. <laughs> it's uh, uh, I guess Austin Slater's elbow is a little tender, um, you know, but other than that, there really has, has not been anything that's happened in con of consequence in Giants camp. Jock Peterson is scooping throws at first base, uh, which we didn't sort of anticipate seeing. Uh, but other than that, it's it's been a pretty pretty copacetic camp, and I think that's that's probably a good thing. 
Yeah, I just don't care about records. I don't care. It just it doesn't correlate with regular season success uh, because sometimes the guy who gives up five earned runs is someone you've never heard of, right? The, a reliever comes in, uh, has has a little bit of a hiccup, and that is not someone who's a part of the Giants' plan. So I don't care about the records. I just care about those dreaded tweets. Uh, Austin Slater has elbow soreness and he's getting an MRI. Like, whoa, buddy. Turns out the news wasn't that bad and it's just rest and, you know, some anti-inflammatories. That's good news. But those are the things I'm looking for in spring. Uh, you're also looking for uh, Sean Manaya has increased velocity. Uh, Anthony Disclefani, uh, he looks better. You, stuff like that is what I am looking for. I'm not, I don't even know who's hitting well in spring other than, I, I guess, Casey Schmidt and Brandon Crawford's not hitting that well in spring. But I, I, I don't know this stuff because I don't care yet. I, I think I'll care maybe toward the end of the, the Cactus League, but I certainly don't care now. Yeah, and that's if you talk to Gabe Kapler, he really doesn't care either, to be honest. I mean, David VR was sitting there 0 for 13 with 7Ks, and they're like, no, we don't care. <laughs> this is your opportunity to get in a rhythm, get comfortable. If it happens now, great. If it happens on, you know, March 18th, great. If it happens on March 25th, great. But, you know, this is just you getting your timing down because, uh, um, you know, you've, you've earned the patience to, to not have to put up, you know, actual results on, on the, uh, on the stat page. And, and you're right. There aren't a lot of people that are having great springs at the plate. Uh, Steven Piscotti comes to mind as someone who is. And, and honestly, with, with Slater uh, being a little nicked up, it, it does open up a potential opportunity for him as a outfielder who's a right-handed hitter. Um, not a center fielder, certainly, but somebody who may have an avenue to make the club potentially where, where it might have been difficult before. Uh, so, you know, it, it does help, I think, to have uh, those good results. But honestly, it probably helps the player more than it helps the organization really move the needle on a decision because, mm-hmm. you know, it gives a player peace of mind when they're getting results. It, it boosts their confidence and that will affect their future performance potentially. But that's that's really the extent of it. I, I think they're looking more for approach. They're looking for good swing decisions. They're looking... Uh, for you know someone who's shaping their pitches well, you know who's who's leveraging counts, um, you know that that's that's kind of what they're they're looking for. Are you healthy? Are you competing and doing what you want to do on the field? And if the ball's not falling in or the results aren't there, uh, they honestly they don't care. <laughs> they, they really don't. And uh, um, you know that that's I think that's sort of been uh, the way that front offices have been wired for for a long time now. And and maybe the rest of us are just kind of catching up. And not, you know, hyperventilating over who's hitting 410 and who's hitting, you know, a, a buck 20. Yeah. So here's here's the corollary to that. So I look at David VR, uh, 0 for 11, uh, zero walks, seven strikeouts. I think he had a hit in uh, the, the exhibition against USA. That doesn't count toward the stats. But I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And yet, I also get to look at Blake Sable and go, oh, six for 13, three doubles, two homers. This guy's going places. Brett Wisely, oh, he's got a couple of dingers, even though he, you know, he's not known as a power guy. I get to be excited about those guys while ignoring David VR. Uh, I think that's the best of both worlds. That's like the gift of spring training. Yes, that's uh, use that uh, selection bias and, and definitely, you know, <laughs> To, to, to your benefit uh, as as a sport watching enthusiast uh, that is your right as a baseball fan uh, but uh, but no I, I think that sable is a great guy to talk about he's really interesting I don't yes. know if they're gonna get him to the point where they feel confident with him as enough of a catcher to where he could be like the backup catcher to a Joey Bart or or, or a Perez and there's nobody else on the roster 
Um, that may be difficult. Um, they also, because of the off days they have early in their schedule, may be able to take an extra position player. So it might give them an, uh, an avenue for him to break with the club. Uh, of course, he's got the Rule 5 attachment, you know, so they've got to keep sure. him you know, all year or else they have to offer him back to uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, you know, the Reds took him from the Pirates in the Rule 5 and the Giants made that trade. And you know, when, when, when Ken Rosenthal is writing a notes column and he is mentioning reasons that Giants executives are bullish on the season and two of the people that come up are Brett Wisely and Rule 5 pick Blake Sable, that generally isn't where you go to generate optimism for your season. Um, but I mean, the, the Giants, they, they love their depth, man. They love unearthing their depth pieces. Uh, I think we saw that, that that was their dream season in 2021, not only winning as many games as they did, but winning them how they won it. I mean, that's, uh, you know, they definitely, you know, I think that was very, very satisfying for them to win that way. And it's a tough thing to replicate. It's a, you know, superstar players have that sort of moderating effect. They're going to be great every day, just about. And when you don't have that and you're leveraging matchups, um, you know, it's very easy for the house of cards to fall apart when you start having, uh, you know, big pieces uh, missing time. And then you start, you know, getting matchups that aren't quite as ideal. And, and we saw it kind of fall apart a little bit last year, especially with when the defense uh, turned out to be such a letdown. So, it's going to be really interesting to see will this Giants team be closer to 2021 or, or to 2022. And and I think that, um, you know, they feel like, at least at the outset, they're in a better place than they were two years ago. Uh, but but obviously, no one's going to expect them to win 100-plus games again. So, you know, you just it's always good to, to, to sort of be around the team in the spring and, and get a, a sense of what the mood is like. And the mood's very professional and um, and and very confident. This seems like uh, there's a lot of good vibes in camp. And I've I've covered spring trainings where you know the, there's always optimism, there's always hope. You start everyone starts out zero and zero, but you just kind of know, you know, <laughs> it's just unspoken. Boy, you know, six months is a long time, and <laughs> this may be a long season. Um, and I don't get that sense uh, th- this spring. It may, may not mean anything. It may mean something. But um, at least in terms of the vibes, they're good vibes. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I will say that your point about the vibes brings up an interesting point, which is that, sure, the the Giants players, to a man other than maybe Brandon Crawford, would have loved Carlos Correa. The Giants would have welcomed all everyone in the organization, players, coaches alike, would have loved Aaron Judge hitting cleanup. Like, there's no question about that. But they're also looking at it differently. They are also just looking around at the players they're playing next to. And when Michael, Michael Conforto looks over and sees J.D. Davis, 
Davis, he thinks, yeah, I've played with that guy. That guy's pretty darn good. And J.D. Davis looks over and sees Mitch Hand and goes, oh, that guy's had some good seasons. And they're not going through the zips and they're not going through uh, projected war and they're not looking at injuries and, and IL days and stuff like that. They're just looking around the diamond and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross Stripling, that guy, that guy knows what he's doing. He he can really uh, uh, pepper the strike zone with where pitches where he wants to. And that's how you build confidence more than, uh, you know, none of them are thinking, gosh, this team needs a star. Oh, look at all these people. They need, we need a star. Like no one's thinking that. And that's important. That's probably leading to the good vibes. Yeah, I know. I agree. It's um, you look. It's I think it's easier for the players to look around the room and and be focused on you know who's there and who's and not you know who's not there uh, than it is for fans. And I think honestly, it'll be easier for everybody else you know from an exterior point of view to be focused on the players who are here when they're actually playing games. It's tougher in the construct of an off season when everyone is sort of playing you know armchair fantasy uh, you know GM uh, and putting the team together. Uh, but, you know, and, and Ken Rosenthal wrote another really good piece, as he does seemingly every day, about uh, uh, giving a, a real inside window into uh, Aaron Judge's final uh, sort of 48 hours as he came to his decision. And I think it's pretty clear that, that he wanted to go back to the Yankees. And, and you know, uh, I, I think the Giants were as compelling as they could be. But, you know, the Padres were probably going to be the next place he was going to go to, given um, how aggressive that push came at the last minute. Um, but you know the Giants tried. They 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 knew that that it was probably not going to work out, but they uh, felt they owed it to themselves to to try to to make it happen. And and you know you can't control uh, every uncontrollable. And and um, you know I, I think they tried to get that star player. And I do sense that there is you know kind of an understanding uh, within the organization, and this is probably organization wide that they need to do a little bit more. They need to try a little bit harder to share the personality of this team and to be a little bit more compelling and to get a little bit more buy-in and to frankly sell this team a little bit more than you know sitting back and, and just letting the ballpark and the experience sell itself. They know that they have to you know work a little bit harder to engage with fans and, and get fans to buy into this team and to really kind of make a connection with some of the players that are here. You know, that's hard when you don't have a lot of players who, you know, have that connection to, you know, their past glories of Brandon Crawford being the only one, really. And you don't have a lot of players who you know are going to be here five years from now. But, you know, having said that, there are some big personalities in that room. I mean, J.D. Davis is a guy that once he gets comfortable, and it's hard to when you're you know, a guy who's traded over at midseason like he was last year. He's got a lot of personality and he's a lot of fun to watch. And, and I think that there's a lot of reasons to be bullish that he could have a pretty big offensive year. So if they start winning, obviously they become compelling instantly. But I think they realize that, uh, you know, the more personality they can put out there, the more sort of instantly they can connect with, with a lot of fans who who maybe are a bit disenchanted that they didn't get that star player. Uh, Sean Manaya did a, a mid-inning interview on the telecast. Uh, he's delightful. He's just a delightful personality. So yeah, to your point. And when it comes to uh, this off-season mania of do something, do something, do something big, do something big, I get caught up in this as well. Trust me, I do. Uh, but did you read the latest news out of Yankees camp? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I did. No, what's uh, what's happening in Yankees camp? All right, I will read you the tweet from our own Brendan Cuddy, the Yankees beat writer for The Athletic. Carlos Rodon has a left forearm strain. No throw for seven to ten days. We'll start the season on the IL. Um, the left forearm strain is a spooky 
injury because it often leads to Tommy John. Um, that is the news at a Yankees camp. And it's sort of like water in the face. Like, oh, oh yeah, that guy was a huge risk. Huge risk. And it would have been really risky for the Giants to commit to that. It, and like a week ago, I was like, ah, the Giants should have committed to that. And then like the baseball starts happening. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh. So it's there's no silver bullet, I guess is what I'm saying. So, I mean, well, that's really, really big news. It is. And, you know, yeah. hopefully for Carlos Rodon, it's, it's something that, you know, he gets through and it's just a spring training type of thing. But I did see he got rocked yes. pretty hard in his spring training uh, start. I, I did not see that the, until you told me that they had a diagnosis. But honestly, that, that's going to be a big news just that the Giants won't have to face him in that first opening series. I mean, you know, it, it's one thing to have to face, you know, Aaron Judge with the in pinstripes with a Yankees C on his chest. Uh, an actual one, not one made of black electrical tape. Um, and, but it'd be another thing to have Carlos Rodon just mow them down in game two when the Giants <laughs> don't have sort of a Carlos Rodon uh, a clone. Uh, they have got a lot of depth in their rotation, but they don't have anyone who could approach really what he did for them uh, as sort of a 1A to Logan Webb last year. I mean, that would be tough to take uh, to, to, to get uh, mowed down by by Rodon in, in game two. And now they're not going to face him in that opening series. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, this is not really, it shouldn't be a schadenfreude situation. And, and no, you, no. Hope, you hope the best for him. And, and you, you definitely... You know, it's not worth any validation. You might feel uh, that the Giants did the right thing by not, you know, resigning him. Um, but, but yeah, you you never know how things work out. There's so many different sort of sliding doors in this game. Uh, there's a reason that the Giants have been very dogmatic about um, not signing pitchers to long-term contracts, and and sometimes uh, you know it, it works out, and sometimes you know, maybe you regret it. And I wonder with like a Kevin Gosman by the end of of you know for the five years if they'll regret. Not offering him what the Blue Jays offered him, but but yeah, that that is that is certainly big news, and that's you know pretty heartbreaking news for the Yankees, given how much they invested in Rodon and how much he was going to be a part of their success this year, and still might be. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But I mean, man, man, oh man, when I saw that news uh, come through as a push notification, oh, my heart just broke. It. I just like watching Rodon pitch for one. But you're right that there was that risk, and I don't know how the Giants are going to set up their rotation other than Logan Webb's going to start opening day. But if they want to do the righty-lefty-righty thing, maybe Sean Maniah would have been uh, the, the game two starter, the, the second game of the season. And then you might have this sort of narrative game where Sean Maniah is pitching against Carlos Rodon, and Rodon just mows the Giants down, and Maniah gets lit up. How that narrative would have been exhausting, exhausting. And it's it's a long season, 162 game season, but it would have set a tone. Uh, I don't know. But I listen, I just I, I don't know where I'm going with this point. But I other to say you're right. You're right. That would have been an exhausting narrative. But the team looks OK. The Giants look OK around what they've built. So I don't know. It's it's I get why the vibes are positive. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That is one of the, sort of the great unknowns is how they're going to deploy uh, this rotation that could potentially have six people in it, plus uh, Jacob Junis sort of waving his hand in the back of the room saying, don't forget about me. Um, and a Sean Jelly, who, by the way, is throwing a little harder that we haven't really talked about a whole lot uh, this spring. Ooh, um, yeah, he's, he's ticked up a little bit. He, he said he's put on 15 pounds of muscle, which, you know, when you're six foot 11, uh, you, you tend to stretch that out. You don't really notice it. But uh, um, and, and then you've got, uh, you know, Keaton wins on the 40 man. Uh, Tristan Beck's on the 40 man. They have a lot of places they can turn 
to get innings and to get starts. And, you know, obviously Kyle Harrison has a little work to do. He's coming off a rough spring training start. Um, but uh, but he's somebody that they're very, very excited about and, and they think will be part of the picture at some point this year. Um, but how they deploy this pitching, especially the, the beginning of the, the season when they have those off days to contend with, uh, is going to be interesting. And, and, and you don't want to get too overconfident or get too locked in with what the schedule is because – when you, get, when you open the season at Yankee Stadium and then at the Chicago White Sox, um, at whatever their stadium's called these days, New Comiskey, it, it'll always be New Comiskey to me. Um, you, you're going to have weather delays. You're going to have postponements. Hmm. And I think everyone is just really, really hoping that they don't end up having to play like a double header on getaway day in Chicago or, or play like, you know, a, a, have a six hour rain delay and end up playing essentially a night game when they have a day game home opener the very next day. Um, mm. So, you know, they, 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 you always have to be prepared for, for, for things that the weather could throw at you, but they do have, if, if everything goes off without a hitch, they'll have, uh, you know, enough breaks and off days and travel days built in uh, those first couple weeks that, They'll have a lot of choices and they should have a lot of flexibility about how they deploy their pitching and who they decide to to piggyback off who or, or you know, who they start or, or if they even – I don't think they're going to use openers, but, uh, you know, that's always a possibility as well. So um, – and we really don't have much sense for how they're lining up their pitchers uh, uh, because, like, Logan Webb hasn't thrown uh, in seven days. Um, so I think they're going to slot him in the day after tomorrow. But, you know, there's not a real clear who's one, who's two, who's three, who's four. And maybe that's by design. Uh, but I think that'll be one of the more important things to follow as we get to into the latter stages of, of this camp here. I am going to return to an article uh, from March 29th, 2021. And in this article, I was talking about the Giants pitching depth. And Eno Saris made 10 bold predictions for the upcoming season. One of them was about the Mets uh, and their pitching depth. And to support his point, he had a table and he, he said the Mets have more pitchers. They have 21 pitchers with a projected ERA under four and a half, which is close to the league average, right? And the Giants ranked second. And my point is, hey, it's not that they have 20 excellent pitchers. They have 20 pitchers who are unlikely to embarrass themselves. And that's important. That's important in a very long season. And I'm getting those vibes again. And I don't want to be a Pollyanna. But when I look, I don't remember a team where you said, uh, yeah, they've got six starters. Oh, no, seven. I guess if you could do Jacob Junis and I, well, Sam Long can do some starts. And yeah, Kyle Harrison's going to be up eventually. And oh, yeah, Keaton Wynn, he's impressing in camp. And oh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Tristan Beck, they like him a lot. Like, you can just keep going and you don't have to. It takes a long time to get to a John Brebbia. You know what I mean? Like, oh, God, John Brebbia, get out there. Give us an inning, maybe two. The Giants shouldn't have to do that this year. Uh, they seem to have depth on the 40 man. They seem to have depth uh, projected for the 26 man. And that's important. It's what the, it's kind of what it looked like uh, before the 2021 season. I don't, you know, I feel stupid saying 2021 ever again, but I don't know. It's, it's a lot of starting pitching depth. Yeah. And John Brebbia was probably one of the better relievers in the National League last year. He led the NL in appearances and, and was really good. And, and to your point, you know, a lot of their wins in 2021 were wins that they chased down. The late night Lamont wins, you know, the Donovan Solano hitting a pinch homer, um, using their bench to get uh, matchups late. And uh, the reason they were able to win so many of those games is the bullpen very quietly gave them quality innings when they were down four to two and kept it at four to two and didn't become seven to two. And uh, they ended up with being the first team in Major League history to have six different guys 
uh, throw 50 innings with a sub three ERA. And, and that's uh, very quietly a big reason for why they were able to rattle off so many wins. They won with so many different kinds of scripts. You know, they won by taking a lead early. They won by coming back and, and um, you know, just having those quality innings, even when you don't really notice them, like when you're trailing four to two in the sixth, uh, that, 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 that does lead to more victories over time. And they didn't get those kind of innings last year. I mean, they, they had to obviously, you know, you know, put people in positions that they didn't want to put people in uh, on both the pitching and the hitting side. And it's really interesting when you try to break down, um, you know, uh, the, the score by innings and see which innings they're being outscored in or which innings they're outscoring opponents. And, um, you know, that that's one thing that I think if they have all this pitching depth, they might be able to return to that uh, scenario where you look up and the sixth and seventh innings, they're outscoring their opponent by, you know, 60, 70 runs. Um, uh, and, and, and that's, that may be, uh, may give them the ability to chase down some of those wins that, that, uh, you know, they, they kind of, where they kind of got boat raced, uh, this past season. First, I would like to clarify, uh, I, when I said John Brebbia, I was using him as an idea, as a proxy for the idea of an opener, right? I, I will not besmirch the very entertaining and very talented John Brebbia. I think he's a good part of the bullpen. Uh, the second point I wanted to make before moving on is, do you remember that year where the Giants almost made it through the entire month of April without scoring a first inning run? I do. It was really weird. Yeah. And um, that was wild. <laughs> and, and you were you were tracking it. Now, what what year was that? What season was that? I don't even know if I was tracking that for the athletic or if I was at McCovey Chronicles. I, I maybe 2019, maybe 2018. It was it was bad. Yeah, no, it was. It was to the point where they were like having hitters meetings and like how, how can how can we turn this around? How can we have a better you know first pass through the lineup against an opposing starter? Because it was it was really a struggle. I mean, I do remember that was when Bam Bam Mullins was the hitting coach. So it was a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it, it, and that was something that you don't think about. But you know, if that starts happening enough times, well, that's. You know, you know that that uh, you have your least amount of success the first time you face a pitcher, as opposed to the second time, or especially the third time. But if it keeps happening, then you got to try to figure it out. Well, what are we doing wrong? What what can we do differently? So, um, so yeah, I mean, obviously they they feel like they've got a lot of lineup depth, and um, you know, if they if you have lineup depth, then you can turn that lineup over. Um, but when you're not getting a run in the first inning, it means you're you're probably your your top four hitters in your lineup aren't aren't really clicking. Yeah, I just you, when you said uh, it's interesting to look at inning by inning scores, that just jolted my memory of like, oh, that was weird. Uh, I did have a point about the bullpen, but now we're out of time. But I think that I'll leave with my idea. The bullpen was uh, looks pretty good. You know, it looks like I, <laughs> everyone everyone seems like they've got specific roles, and if you trust in Scott Alexander and his turbo sinker, and he looked good, I'm really fascinated with what they'll do at the back end with the guys like uh, Junis. I don't know if it's going to be Desclafani or Wood, uh, the bulk inning guys who are going to let Duvall, the Rogerses, and Brevia breathe a little bit. Um, so it's a really interesting bullpen construction, but I guess we can talk about that next time. Yes, we will. And one more guy we can watch in the World Baseball Classic, Camilo Duvall. Yes. And like I wrote about it yesterday, read it. Uh, I won't belabor the point, but he has a chance to be the main character of the WBC for better or for worse. And I think that's fascinating. Like he has a non-zero chance of getting the final out of the WBC. Uh, That's fascinating. So watch him out there. All right. This has been episode 222 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back. Uh, I think we're doing an every 
week schedule now, now that you're back? Is that, uh, once again, I should check before I, I turn on the damn microphone, but yes, t- producer Tanika Smellers, she does a, a very just excellent job, and she's very patient uh, with us idiots. Uh, we will be back next week with the podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you then. <laughs>